Irish Beats with Rob O'Connor. Your music now. This is Beat. This is Irish Beats with Rob O'Connor on Beat 102-103. And I am absolutely delighted to have a, a, a national treasure. Uh, in the virtual studio with me today, uh, Mr. Tom Dunn of uh, Something Happens and uh, a very illustrious media career, but he'll always be the hello, 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 hello petrol person to me. <laughs> Tom, yes. how do you feel about being described as a national treasure by an idiot in his attic? Um, I don't know. I don't know. It's weird. I, I was playing. We did a gig. I did a gig with um, the RT Orchestra last weekend um, up in Collins Barracks. Thin Lizzy songs. And it was really, it was sensational. But it was myself and, and Shobzy and uh, Jess Cav and Jack O'Rourke and Mundy and uh, Wallace Bird. And, um, you know, it was great. So we had to introduce the next person coming out, you know. So I, I just introduced Wallace. So I just said, you know, great guitar player, great songwriter, Wallace Bird. And then Jess had to introduce me and she said, legend. And I was going, <laughs> what is it even? What's it mean? You know, so I don't know. So how people perceive you is is a hard thing to get your head around, you know. But you know, I'll take either of them. They're very positive, so you know, bring it on. Um, yeah, it's be- it's better than the alternative, you know. Absolutely, uh, cold would be the man who quibbles with such nice words. <laughs> <laughs> We're here to talk about the on the road again series yes. of gigs, which is a tour that uh, you're involved with with Fiona O'Brien on and Alan Connor. Uh, of the Hot House Flowers and Alan has, I think, plays, plays pretty much with, everyone. Yeah, he's he's a, he's a Nicky Hopkins type figure. He's he's just a brilliant piano player that everybody wants. But he's also a musical slut. I think is the word that you're looking for as well. well yeah, once you're in a band, <laughs> once you're in a band, you know where you stand. Yeah. You know, there's no <laughs> there's no dignity to it. So I, you, know, you can't quibble with that those things either. Yeah. So Fiekna with the Hot House Flowers yeah. would have been a contemporary of yours. Alan again yeah. has been has been playing around for many, many years. Yeah. I'm going to assume He's a child. That, he's a child. Is he? He, he okay. is a child, yeah. In our terms, he's a child. Okay, right, okay. Um <laughs> but I'm I'm going to assume that you would have known each other from the the kind of the heyday of the nineties. Yes. But how did this series of gigs come about? Or how did this collaboration come about? Well, we were both involved in the most recent Fela, uh, which was yes. in Three Arena, just in October gone. In that little tiny bubble, when you were allowed to go out and do a gig uh, just for a few weeks, it, it came and it went. You know, you could tell it was ending as you were doing it. And uh, you knew it wasn't going to last. But uh, we were doing that and we were promoting it. You know, we were both given to promotions. And for whatever reason, Liam couldn't make um, a session with himself and Ray Darcy. Um and I think the producer said, well, what, would you not sing, you know, get somebody else in to sing? How about one of the other bands? So somebody suggested maybe you and Tom would do a song together. So Fiona rang me. Mm. And I thought, yeah, great, great. So um, in we went and, you know, it was very different. You kind of, I've been in the same band for 30 years. So Frey and I are doing a session. We know exactly what we're going to do. Whereas a Fiona, it was, well, what will we do? So we had done a few um the, the on the road again song we we had done that and I was thinking that'd be a great thing. Sorry, to do. this is the the Willie Nelson song. Yeah, Willie Nelson. Yeah, yeah. 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 We, we had done that with something happens for the very first gig back we had done on on the road again, which kind of went down very well after lockdown. Right. Yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, and then I'd been I'd been just besotted by John of Dreams, the um, Christy Moore song, my whole life really, and I've been trying to suggest it to the happens for for a long time and between probably being busy and, and it being a bit off our beaten path, it, it didn't really take off. Um, but I thought maybe yourself and, and Fiekna could do it. So we went in and um, and we did it. And, and during it, uh, he, he started singing, just naturally started singing. It's just what he does. And this floored me because nobody else in Something Happens sings. There are, you know, there are backing vocals on the records, but that's me doing them. And there's yeah. no backing vocals live. There isn't even a setup of a microphone. There isn't even a pretend setup of a microphone to make you think it's going to happen. So I was going, my God. So I have to say my mind just became alive with the possibility of two voices and, and what this would be like. So so afterwards we were chatting and it went down really well. It was very well received. And we were saying that was great fun. And uh, kind of sheepishly, like a first date saying, you know, we could do more, couldn't we? We th- you know, and that kind of that stayed in our minds. We could do more, couldn't we, for ages? And then 
we hooked up again and we thought, well, we do something. Will we just, you know, see where it goes. So I went out to his house a few times and uh, we were playing a few songs together and, and I was really enjoying this. And then we said, look, the only, the only way we're going to know how this is, is to do a gig. So we booked The Whale, which is on his home turf. And, and I said, look, we'll absolutely have to get Alan O'Connor in, or Alan Connor to do some of the heavy lifting because he's just so versatile and he'll fill out the sound and he'll be really important you know so. am i right in saying he, he he plays a lot of instruments i i, I know he i does. know he plays piano but he plays about he's one of these people he could pick up a, a chair leg and get yeah a he could he could good. he could play guitar yeah. amazingly well and, and we've started using him now and something happens as a second guitar player and that is sensational that's that's like Thin Lizzy. You know, we've never, <laughs> it just, there are moments where the guitars are able to do bits together and play against each other in a way that we've never been able to do before. And, and that's, that's blowing us away on stage. Um, so I thought get him in would be a good, good idea. So we did the gig and it was very, going on stage, very kind of nerve wracking and what's this going to be like? And it was some, something happened songs, but they're transformed. You know, some of them are on piano, some of them I'm playing on guitar um, there were Fiekna songs, there were some Flowers songs, uh, there was some covers, there was, you know, just bits and pieces that we all loved. And it was phenomenal. It was completely phenomenal. Um, it was it was just one of the best gigs that I've ever played at. Um, so we did another thing for a charity the other night, um, and it was the same. Mm. So I'm getting a very good feeling about this. There's, a, there's lovely chemistry there. And it's a different palette. We, we both refer to our own bands as the motherships, you know, um, when are you back in the mothership, Vigna? Um, <laughs> and he was in it for most of the summer. And in the mothership, you know exactly what's required of you and what you need to do, right? It's just, you do these songs very often in, in this order. Um, and you go to the front of the stage and I know exactly what I'm doing at the front of the stage. I know the lyrics backwards. You know, I just, I'm, I've been doing this for a long time and he's in exactly the same position. Whereas this is not the mothership. This is very different indeed. And um, mm. he has some new songs and I've got some new songs and it's a different way of approaching things. And I've never worked with somebody like him before because he's from a different world to me. Um, like in Something Happens, we all kind of like the same bands. We're all very R.E.M., The Replacements. We're all big American guitar bands. Uh, we love them, always have. Um, he's, he's much more soulful, kind of Van Morrison type influences people. And you hear that in the songs. The songs are different to the way I would have written songs and, and I'm fascinated. So I'm, I'm listening and going, I just, I'm, I'm literally learning things, I'm looking and thinking that works really, really well. That, you know, maybe sometimes in our songs we, we try too hard or there's too many changes or something. There's less changes there and they're really effective. So it's, it's quite an experience. I, I saw a dodgy video of the gig from the other night, the the hospice yes. gig that you were doing. Yeah. And it looked like you were you were having good crack. It, yeah. it genuinely looked like you were having good crack. I mean, the video was shaky. It was obviously yeah. somebody on their phone, blah, blah, blah. But I, I, it must be a wonderful thing to, to be doing a gig like that because I'm going to assume you don't have to do it. You're doing it because you enjoy it. Absolutely. You know, and... and to still get the buzz off it and get the crack off it. That must be a really wonderful thing. It is wonderful. And it was it was really what drove us on at the beginning. Like COVID w- was awful, you know, and um, I don't know. It was the longest period I've ever gone without doing a gig, about seven months. And mm. it, it was grim. It was grim. And it started to really get in on me. And, and part of what was getting in on me is that without a band with me, I wasn't able to make music. And that was really frustrating. And... That was the first time in my life when I just decided I have to do something about this myself. So I took guitar lessons online. I was a really bad guitar player, you know. So um, got rid of my, I had a really crap acoustic and a really good electric. So I, I got rid of them and I got a really good acoustic. And I just started and I just had to say, and a, and a guitar tutor had to say, go on, show me what you have. And I had to be absolutely embarrassing in front of him. And he said, okay, let's begin. <laughs> so, so, you know, I had to do that because I felt that I wasn't able to, I, I can't speak music. Um, songs would come into my head when I was out walking the dog and I couldn't do anything with them. You'd sing them into a phone and, and there they would stay on a shelf. So the frustration was massive. Um, so this kind of came at the tail end of that when I'd become bang average on guitar, uh, but was starting to make a little bit of progress. So to go on with Fiekna and Alan in that environment where you can just, they're, they're such brilliant players and you can just name a song and see where it goes and approach it differently. It is, it is great fun. It is very, very enjoyable. And 
that that thing, that release, that little side of you that you don't get to do, it's very important to you. The seven months that I wasn't able to do it, it was like, even if I was only doing it once a month that something happens, I, I kind of dined out on it for, for four weeks afterwards. I felt better afterwards. I felt, you know, just uh, more relaxed and, and like I'd let off steam or, or express something that was important. It just, uh, so to miss that was, was dreadful. And, and mm. these shows are, are really, I'm savoring every moment of them. There's no question. So the gigs that you're talking about there, uh, there's a bunch of them in the book. So there's the 24th of September in Cypress Avenue in Cork, 20th of October in Dolan's in Limerick, and then the 22nd of October in the Pavilion in Dunleary. Yeah. Um, I, I'm going to imagine that like if these three go well, there's a good chance you might do more of them. Uh, definitely. Definitely, you yeah. I, I think... We were we like we did the gig in in May it was and then Figna had a lot of shows with um, Hot House Flowers. I was busy. Yeah. Alan was busy. So we were hoping to hook up during summer, but it just didn't transpire that way. Um, so we were walking on stage the other night. There was a little bit of wondering, you know, did we dream it was good? <laughs> you know, <laughs> was, was that just you know first night? You know, everything was great, and it wasn't at all. And there's there's bits, there's things. There's chemistry, I think, really. That you know, mm. in particular, there's one song uh, which which Fiekna sings, and I, I'm playing acoustic guitar on it. And it's, it's a really strong rhythmic part, which luckily doesn't test my chord uh, knowledge <laughs> too much. Uh, but I've good rhythm, you know, and the joy of playing that is just off the clock. It, it, it's one of the most eye-opening experiences that I've had on stage, and um, I love it. Yeah, I, I, I'll be honest with you, Tom. I'm very kind of surprised that you've kind of admitted that about your guitar playing. Yeah, because dreadful. I, 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 no, 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 because like there's not many. I mean, right, so you've what? I, am I writing saying that there were three studio something happens albums? No, it's five. Five? Yeah. Okay, God, right, Jesus, there's only three that I remember, which yeah. speak slap There was the two in America, um, Alan Elvis and God <sighs> and uh, Planet Fabulous. Okay, right, yeah. right, okay. Yeah, uh, okay. Iguana Records signed us in America. So from 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 where we disappeared off the map kind of in Ireland around 93, we were in yeah. America uh, touring and killing ourselves to write new songs because uh, we couldn't we couldn't trade on Parachute or Hello Hello because they, they belonged to Virgin. So new, new record companies wanted new songs. So we were writing new songs. Um, right, okay. and, and they're they're two good albums, I have to admit, which have disappeared off the face of the earth. Because Guana, I'm sure, have no interest in sticking them up on uh, Apple or, or Spotify or anything like that. Um, yeah, and do you, do you have them? I do yeah. Sorry, sorry. What yeah. I, mean, I don't mean I know you, you obviously not, and I don't mean to say, but do you have like the masters, or is there any sort of possibility that you could get those back? I'd say we do have the masters. They were recorded in Dublin, um, right? in uh, Ropewalk Studios. So, um, so yeah, we would have the masters and there were some lovely songs on them. Probably, probably occupy a bit of a dark space for us as a band. Something happens because it was tough. Yeah. You know, at the time it was tough in America and you weren't getting an awful lot of encouragement. So I'd say um, your first reaction thinking back is to kind of go, oh, I wouldn't like to go back to those days. But the music is really good. Mm. And, and one or two broke my heart. There were one or two moments that I thought were just absolutely gorgeous. And no one ever really got to hear them, um, which was disappointing. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, there were, there's five studio albums. And I think when I joined Something Happens, um, I would have had very, very basic guitar skills. But very quickly, it became obvious that Ray had brilliant guitar skills. And if you were coming in with, you know, kind of simple stuff on guitar. It kind of held Ray back a bit. Mm. So the best way was to go into a room and see, right, what have we got? And, and fool around with riffs and bits of music and then see where we could take that. That was, that just became the way we worked. And the more we worked that way, the less I played guitar, the less I held a guitar, in fact. Um, <laughs> so as a result, you know, it, it withered on the vine. And, um, and I've always been one of those people in, in terms of songwriting that I feel you can kind of just sing the song to yourself, you know, it just, it, it comes to you and then you can work out the music as you go. Let somebody else's strength do that. Yeah. Uh, but when there's nobody else around, you're snookered, absolutely snookered. So the the big one was this uh, Christmas song that came to me in around November of, of uh, 2020 at Walking the Dog. And I thought straight away, this is good. 
you know. So I sang it into the uh, into the phone, and then I'd no way of progressing it. So that's when the guitar lessons started, right. and uh, and I worked out what's what song I wanted to rip off for. <laughs> it's very important musically, and uh, delighted to say that the song I wanted to rip off is actually based on a riff that it, that everybody uses. It's the same riff from Changing Man. Um, okay, that, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Well, he is in Changing Man. Thing, yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah, and I think Electric Light Orchestra uses it as well. I'm using it very slow down, so it's very swampy and bluesy sound off it. Um, and, uh, and it took about three months, but I got it. And that song is, is finished now. Christmas songs you have to hold until Christmas. So I think these dates even might be a bit too early to throw it in. <laughs> but the plan will be. <laughs> I've seen pictures on online of Christmas decorations yeah. and selection boxes and shops and things like that yeah but we know it's wrong it is wrong we know it's wrong yeah, when, the sun, when, when there's yeah. blue skies and sunshine and, and heat it feels yeah. wrong for, for Christmas yeah, exactly we haven't had Halloween <laughs> yet which is you know another great but, time but, of year w- so do you think that we might get a, a release of this song this year well what will the release be in the current world up you on know, if we musical it, yeah, streaming services if we get a nice performance of it uh, and put it on YouTube that would probably be the okay. way Things go. Would we record a version? Maybe, maybe we'll see. Um, there's no something happens gig now until Christmas as we stand. So I don't know how we're going to get to progress it mm. there, but uh, we'll see. It's a good little song. I stand by yeah. it. Yeah. I, I first off, I really admire your honesty in admitting first off about your guitar playing, um, and secondly about like that you you're owning up to listening to other songs and ripping them off. And when I say ripping them off, I'm using yeah. air quotes to kind of being influenced by because. Uh, I, at this stage now, I've been so long in music and I've been so long listening to other people's music and realizing what they have ripped mm. off. And particularly, can we, can we bring Mr. David Bowie to the front of the class? Here? Oh yeah. <laughs> and uh, I've, I've, I've done stuff on his Ziggy Stardust album and on Hunky mm. Dory. And I've done radio specials on it. And, there's riffs that he's ripped off from from other people. There, there's there's whole sounds that you know he's and the whole Ziggy Stardust thing. It's it's half Lou Reed, mm. half Iggy Pop, um, who he had met in New York just a few months earlier. So no surprise there. So I think that whole thing of you know I think our musicianship and our personality changes it and it becomes unique to you. So you know you you won't get away with a complete rip off. Mm. If you can be, you can be inspired by things, and I think if your musicianship is really poor, then people won't recognise what you're ripping off anyway. So <laughs> you're laughing, <laughs> um, right? So just to go back to the to, to the to the two something happens records uh, from Iguana Records, which I'll be honest with yeah. you now, I did. I mean, I remember. I, I mean, I, I think one was BMG and one was Iguana. But would you ever think about maybe even doing a Taylor Swift on it and kind of saying, do you know what? Let's just go in and record these again over two weeks or something yeah, like that. Yeah, we, we would do in an ideal world, but um, the, the truth is we're, something happens probably the busiest band in the world. Really? Uh, individually. Okay, yes, yes, yeah, individually, yes, yes. Okay, they're all yeah, 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 yeah. really busy. Getting us all in the same room, even on the same stage, is a really difficult thing. Um, if we all took four weeks off and did that, I, I'm sure it'd be brilliant. There's loads of things we'd love to yeah. do. Um, record those songs differently. Um, did you know that um, Steve Earle was originally supposed to produce the God's Glue album. Go away. Yeah. And uh, he had uh, a few issues at the time. I think, I think he might have been in prison. Right. Uh, which kind of blew that out of the water. But if you can imagine that kind of Copperhead Road production on that album, that would have been a different kettle of fish completely. Um, I think it could have been brilliant. So, you know, a bit of you thinks, how about if we went down that road and, and, and worked out how those songs would sound? Um, yeah. Could be great. I wouldn't change anything. I, just because I love that album. Uh, from back oh, in the day. And like, I love yeah. it too. And, and I love it too. And I'm not just saying that because you're, well. you're there. I, I don't mean to be kind of blowing smoke up your ass, but I mean, those, those songs, uh, as a novice guitar player back in the early 90s, uh, actually, I All think right. hello, hello, hello. The very first gig that I did, which would have been a school gig uh, for Katui Week or something like that, uh, myself and my buddy played hello, hello because I think there was only three chords in it or something like that. Uh, we, <laughs> we could get away with it. I, I'm just thinking if I have if I have a second here, um, I might be able to uh, I might be able to reveal a secret from from that album now. If I just if I can just find my cog notes for a second mm. now. Hang on. I go to uh, 
Alan, that'll be the one. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, reaches over shoulder. I'll go on. <laughs> Unreal. Now you know. Um, let's try and get this out. You know, brand new God of. Yep. I do. Right, you know the way it's. Um, There's a girl in a dress and a simple mess and face made for kissing. What kind of God gives you a rod? Says you can't go fishing. Brand new God. Do you want to see where that came from? Well, I guess we'll be nice. Yeah. If I could touch your body. Cause I know not everybody's got a body like you. <laughs> That's God. Yeah. That was, um... I heard that. <laughs> I heard him. I thought, that's a brilliant song. I love the beat. Let's do something with that beat. And uh, in we went. When you play it like that now, I'm kind of thinking, oh, it sounds a bit like a kind of a not fade away, you know, roll of songs or a Bo Diddley kind of a Well, it is a, Bo a Diddley. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly what it is, Bo Diddley. Um, yeah. I think we went to enormous lengths in the studio to make it less Bo Diddley. <laughs> 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 which, which I think in retrospect was a really bad mistake. I think Bo Diddley... <laughs> But Diddley's famous for a reason. It's brilliant. So yeah. if you have a Bo Diddley beat, keep it up, I say. So, yeah. yeah. I remember seeing an interview with Bo Diddley once and he was talking about playing the guitar and he said he tried to be a drummer, but he couldn't get his left hand to leave his right hand alone. So he plays the guitar like he's playing a drum. Right. Which is maybe where the rhythm yeah. kind of comes from. Very good. <laughs> right. You live and you learn. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, Right, well, well then, let's get into songwriting then for a moment, yeah. if, if that's okay. These are songs that I'm assuming will appear in the On the Road Again yeah. tour yeah. And, and many others. And we'll talk maybe yeah. about that again just at the end. But to talk about songwriting, like so, so like Stuck Together Get With the God's Glue, that album particularly I know very, very well because very, it would have been, there were, I hate to say it, Tom, there would have been many tapes passed around my class Good. in school of that. Good. Because uh, that's the way we used to do things back in the yeah. day. Um, but... As I listened to it again this morning, just kind of saying, oh, I must have a listen to that album again. I haven't listened to it in a while. And as I was listening to it, I was going, do you know, there's a lot of these songs are kind of, they could really be folky songs. Yeah. You know, like songs like Esmeralda or Brand New God. Yeah. Or even Kill the Roses. If you strip yeah. back the production, you could actually imagine that on an acoustic guitar and a banjo or a mandolin yeah. or whatever, you know. Yeah. Are, are you an old folky at heart? I wouldn't say so. I wouldn't say okay. so, but um, I, I, another one of the COVID uh, revelations the last years is um, I, I was I interviewed Christy Moore and, mm. uh, and it was very funny. I interviewed him in his car. Uh, he <laughs> why not? <laughs> he didn't want to come into the radio station, and I was saying, well, that makes the interview a bit difficult, you know. But we worked something out, and then he says, well, we don't want to go to each other's houses either. That'd be uncomfortable. So you're right. So he said, the car, we'll do it in the car. So we drove up to, um, we did it up in uh, the, the car park on Kleine Hill. And um, I was thinking, right, Christy Moore went to work in the bank in 19, he left the bank in 1966. That's when he left, mm. right? Uh, or 67 even. And that was the year of Sergeant Pepper. Right? So I was just thinking, why would, why would anyone in their right mind go into anything other than pop music? 1967 when you have the Beatles and I, and I said this to him you know why why not and he said there is only folk music which I thought was a great answer <laughs> right? but I've been thinking about it ever since and, and mm. I think I think it is kind of where all music comes from it, there's this kind of uh, simplicity to it and honesty and music of the people very much music of the people um, so I think that might have been in me more than I kind of gave it credit for and I think during lockdown Christie's live album was out that the 71 to 75, whatever it is, brilliant stuff. And I was just listening to it and listening to it and listening to it and just going, there's some little thing in, in that music. I'm particularly got um, John of Dreams, which mm. I loved, which is just, it's a kind of a lift you up and, and um, make you feel okay and try and tell you things are okay and, and just get you through. There's just some strong get you through quality to all that music. Uh, so that's been really really appealing to me. And part of, of hooking up with Fiekin is I know he knows much more about this than I do. So I'm saying to him, well, show me some songs, play me a few of those songs. And are there some of those songs we could do? Mm. Um, so I think that was there. So maybe that was in the music, but I, I just didn't see it um, at the time. 
is all I can think. With that hat on in 2022, yeah. what does Tom Dunn think makes a good song? There's a very, very, very hard question. It, it's a very big question and yeah. it's a broad question. So yeah. whatever way you want to interpret that, you can interpret that anyway. Yeah, I, I think I've struggled with that my whole life. And I think there are times uh, when people, other people have said things and I've, I've seized on them and thought, you know, that's what a good song is. Um, and I know but they've sometimes been different things. I know Paul McCartney saying if the, if the milkman whistles it, that's, a, you know, that's a sign of something. But I saw the reaction of Shane McGann's publisher um, to uh, Fairy Tale when he wrote Fairy Tale in the studio. And the publisher came in for the first time to hear it and went do Lally. And, and what he was saying is that he's saying something. He's actually saying something. And that's what you'd say about all of Shane's songs. He's saying something. And I think very often you listen to songs and go, you aren't saying anything. You know, you're just, you're, you're rhyming. You're just, you're getting through. There's nice little moments here and there. There's nice little hooks. But you're not saying anything. Mm. And I think songs that say something, are, that that's the thing that, that gets me and, and draws me in. I think a lot of the times too, if it's not really a hundred percent clear what the person is saying and, but, but it's suggesting things to you and, and you're filling in the dots in your own way. Um, I think that's very powerful as well. Uh, so I don't think there is a simple answer to that. I think there are lots of things that make a great song. And even when I'm saying all this, I'm, I'm, uh, having spent a bit of time this morning queuing up to try and get Harry Styles tickets. Um, <laughs> I think as it was is a brilliant song. Yeah, it is. From the moment I heard it, I thought, who's that? That is class. And we had one of the, the strangest moments ever in the car. It came on the radio and both myself and my 16-year-old daughter reached for the radio at the same time. And I think she thought I was turning it down. <laughs> <laughs> Quite the reverse. <laughs> you know, and that that is brilliant. And he paints little pictures. You know, we, we, I think when somebody references references themselves in a song, Harry, are you okay? And stuff, it's brilliant. It's just brilliant. Mm-hmm. And he's creating an air of, of what there's something wrong with this person and what is it that's wrong? And it's a real try and get you through song again with a brilliant melody and, and a beautiful vocal. So I love all of those things. Um, the songwriter who most blew me away growing up was Elvis Costello. I, I mm. think his songs are just absolutely marvelous. And the more you listen to Bob Dylan, the more you just worship at the altar. He, he you know, he he's never lost the ability. The stuff he did during the sixties, even he admits, was you know touching the hem of God. It was just you know from an, a parallel universe. Stuff he does now, though, well, it doesn't have that that immediacy that that the early stuff did. It's still absolutely brilliant. Um, the solo album from the beginning of COVID once again. That was like manna from heaven. When that when that seventeen minute song arrived, it, <laughs> it was all so surreal that we were locked down and and we couldn't go out. And suddenly there was not only new Bob Dylan, but seventeen minutes long new Bob Dylan and brilliant Bob Dylan at that. And and there was so much in that song. He he was singing things like the Beatles want to hold your hand and referencing the assassination of JFK. JFK and everything. Yeah, it was really God. It was like this man sees the big picture. He sees everything. Yeah, you know, we just we see the the trees in front of us. This man sees the woods. It was really, oh God, it was joyous, joyous. And the album is just as good. So, I don't know if any of that answers your question, but you know, it's 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 like how long is a piece of string? We you could be discussing what makes a great song for an awfully long time. Um, and, and also, you know, it when you hear it as well. Yeah, there's. I mean, obviously, there's no there's no right answer. There's no, no wrong answer either. Well, no. maybe there is, but uh, right. Well, it, could you imagine if you could peer into the head of your stage mates, like Fiekna and Alan? What might they say about what makes a good song? Um, Alan, I think uh, he's got such diverse tastes, and we watched his band. He's such a great player. Um, I think he loves a good song. I think he loves a classic song, a song with a chorus and a song that everyone can relate to. You know. Fiekna, I think he likes something with a bit of kind of inner truth to it. Um, he's a great man for observing details and, mm. you know, picking up on, on on where we are at the moment in life and what's going on around us. That's lovely to listen to in songs. Or I, I really love these things is that he's singing them and I'm just adding a backing vocal and some guitar, which gives you a chance to actually enjoy it a bit and just soak up the song. Um 
so I think that's what he, I hope that's what he would say. Um, and things that really engage you and engage the audience when you, when you get that one and we're all on the same page, uh, that's a fantastic feeling. Mm. It's very interesting that, that you reference the kind of the idea or the, the theme behind the song as in the, the, the which is the lyric. Um, cause there's a great quote by Eddie Izzard where Eddie Izzard talks yeah. about music and he's like, Eddie says something like it's, it's 70% how you sound, 20% how you look and 10% what you say. And yeah. the idea is that most people aren't actually listening. They just yeah. hear the old hook or the chorus and the rest yeah. of it is just old gibberish. But it's interesting. I've, I've asked that question of many, many people. Yeah. And they're all musicians. And they all talk about the, the lyric or the idea that's at the heart of the song. And they're yeah. the ones that really stand out to them. Yeah. I think, um, I think it might be a little bit like a great chef. I think... Nine out of ten people will sit down and, and tell you that's a delicious meal. They won't be able to say why. Um, and maybe somebody who's a chef will be able to say, well, I'll tell you why. It's because, <laughs> you know, and I've put this, you know, beautifully fresh ingredient, this lovely, you know, delicate sauce that's that's bringing out something in it. And it's perfectly balanced, you know, and, and then it always makes sense to, you know. But And I think maybe musicians... We live and breathe these things uh, and we think about them and it, it engages us all the time. You're, you're constantly looking at how somebody has put a song together and wondering how, how do they think of that and how do they do that? I was working out, um, there is a light that always goes out, which, which I was... Oh, the Smiths uh, song. Yeah, 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 delighted. See, it's quite easy on guitar. Quite yes. easy <laughs> on guitar. Delighted with that. Um, but if you, if you look at that, where, where Morrissey put the lyrics is kind of phenomenal. I, I couldn't see many people would write lines that scan the way those lines scan. You know, they don't make any sense. Um, and, and, it's, and it's using the same chords, but at one point those chords will be the verse. Another time they'll be the chorus. Mm. Um, he's just seeing where the song is and he's just singing over those chords and it's completely brilliant as a result. Uh, that intrigues you. You're just wondering and thinking, 99 out of 100 singers wouldn't come close to even approaching the song in that way, never mind pulling it off. So it's endlessly fascinating. It, it, it never gets old. Um, I, don't, I don't know if you've heard um, Rusty, the, the Elvis Costello album with the guy that he was in a band 50 years ago. No, um, I haven't. Before he was Elvis Costello, when he was Declan McManus, he was, he mm. was you know, doing songs in pubs with this guy. And the other guy went off to America. I don't really know what, what kind of career he had, but I don't know if it was in music. Um, but Elvis got in touch with him and they said, let's finish off those songs that we've written years ago. And your man's voice now isn't in the same league as Elvis's, but that's part of its charm. You put the two of them mm. together and something magic, I think, happens. Um, and, and at times Elvis comes in like just, you know, a, a black belt in in rhyme and reason <laughs> you know just lifts the whole thing to another plane uh but again it's who would have thought that it's 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 the very the fact that he isn't a brilliant singer that is what makes it sound so so different um, yes so yeah, it never ends and again all i can say is that you know it when you hear it yeah yeah so you've mentioned there that there are some new songs yeah. of yours in yeah. the on the road again show yeah. do you think are you ever going to record them? I know we asked about the Christmas song, but do you think that, I mean, will there ever be a new uh, Something Happens album or a Tom Dunn album or yeah. or, or whatever you're, or, or a Tom Dunn and Fiat No Brain on an album or, or what? Do you, do you think this might ever happen? Um, it's funny, when you say an album, you, I get all kind of negative connotations of going into a studio and, and it's like the, the process becomes, you know, the, what the important thing. Whereas it's just songs. Um, will those songs get recorded? Will those songs get released? Ah, oh, yeah, I really hope so. I really hope so. Um, I haven't had as much time in the last 20 years as I would have liked. Um, but things are a little bit quieter now, I'm hoping. And uh, yeah, I, 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 it'd be such an awful shame if they weren't recorded because some little beauties have come to me and I'm very happy with them and I just mm. need to develop them in a room and, and see what else we could do with them. And it's funny, songs stay in my head forever, really. And if I'm having trouble sleeping, I, I literally just pick one down off the shelf and start working on it in my head. 
as I'm falling asleep. And a little bit's calm and I go off it. And I'll just sing into the phone beside the bed, which my wife has never seen before. She, she and in the time we've been together, I wasn't doing that kind of stuff. It's only since COVID arrived that I started doing that again. So she's wondering who is this man who suddenly wakes up in the night and sings something into the phone, <laughs> then goes back asleep. <laughs> but I mean, given the way things are released now. I mean, Fia can release a lovely little yeah. EP, the, the, the Winter we're, Sun We're, we're doing Winter Sun. Winter Sun is yeah. one of the songs we're doing. I, I hope you do all of them, yeah. uh, to be honest with you. True, they, yeah. True. Yeah. Um, but I mean, you know, could there be a, a Tom Dunn little four track? Yeah, definitely. De- no, definitely. Um, and there is a plan to do that. Um, when, when COVID kicked in, I tried mastering GarageBand. That didn't work for me. Didn't go well for me at all. It just didn't seem to be good at it. So um, when we have the move done, the box is behind my back. Uh, I'm going to go again. I'm going to upgrade the computer. I, I have a plan on that. I'm going to learn logic. Good man. Um, and I may need to take a course on that. But uh, courses, the thing that moved guitar playing forward were online guitar lessons. I had to, a man would, would be there every Friday morning and he'd say, well, what have you done? And if you weren't better than you were last week, you were in trouble. Yeah. And if I had trouble where I can't work this out, he'd play it to me. If there was a song I wanted to learn, he'd show me how to play it. It all worked. So lessons work for me. And I think Logic will be the next one to get lessons in. And then I just want simple rhythms that I can sing over and, and all that kind of stuff. And there's no end to the ideas. They just come naturally all the time. So let's try and get as many of them down as we can. I've won about a, a 14 band bash. And if I don't finish it, I'll be needing distraught. It's a 14 <laughs> band bash and we're on eight, eighth. I really okay. like it. Not, not too early, not too late. <laughs> um, <laughs> I really like our slot. Not too early, not too late. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. It's a good one. So I've loads of them and uh, they, they must be finished. Well, Here's an interesting one because before the interview, I said, Jesus, I better just check now that Tom hasn't released something and I wasn't aware of it. And now I'm aware that there's another Tom Dunn. There's Tom yeah, Dunn who used is. to be in the band The Spikes. Uh, he's an yeah. Irish Tom Dunn. Yeah. But there's also an English Tom Dunn. I get out who, of town. Who, who sings on a lot of electronic and dance Really? Mm. Jesus Christ. So, um, or is it too late to change my name? Or maybe you could get the two of them to collaborate with you and you could be the Tom Dunn's. I don't think anyone wants to see that. <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh, the other Tom Dunn, the Irish guy, was yes. in the studio in Dublin and um, some charity had had asked if I would do a thing where you have a photograph of yourself as a child, um, your pet, I think was, was the idea, and now a photograph now, right? So I sent them the photograph and they said, yeah, let's do this. And then... Um, I was waiting for them to arrive in. You know, I said I'm in the studio and uh, nothing happened, you know. And then I got a distraught call about two hours later and someone in their office had Googled Tom Dunn's studio and found that that Tom Dunn was in recording in Windmill. He was actually down in in Windmill. Uh, So they arrived into Windmill for the photograph and he stood there with my photograph. (laughs) (laughs) He didn't say to them, it's a different Tom Dunn. He just went along with it. In all fairness, if it was you, you might go along with it as well for the I crack. I don't know what I would have done. <laughs> I would have said, that's not me, it's not my dog. <laughs> um, right, so you're talking about a move. And before we started recording, you were talking about moving physical, musical media, CDs. Yeah. And things like that. Now, I've seen you habitually posting on Twitter about vinyl. I On your radio yeah. shows, you, you often will do vinyl sets. Yeah. What is it about physical records that appeals to you? Um, there's, there's no, an equally hard question. Um, I know it's they, a very broad question. They but are, it allows you lots of scope yeah, to go in any direction you want. So. Yeah. They are a memory trigger. That's, that's the first thing. Um, and I know when vinyl made its slight, when it started, we weren't long in this house. Um, and my, uh, vinyl had been in my sister's house on storage for years. If it hadn't been in my sister's house, I think I probably would have sold it when everyone else did for nothing. Um, mm-hmm. but it didn't. So I ended up getting all my vinyl out of storage and then I got a deck for the first time in years and I put on vinyl for the first time in years. And the first thing that strikes you is it's not as loud as CDs. It's just not as loud. Um, but it's a beautiful sound. But I was looking at that and thinking that is the actual copy that I bought the very first time I ever went to London with my best friend. He and I uh, got the bus or the the, the uh, ferry over and the train down to London. And I'd never been in London before. It was 
very young. I was completely blown away by it, the energy of it. There were huge posters for drums and wires and the slits everywhere. And we got both of them in the Virgin Megastore, which was like the biggest shop I'd ever seen in my life. It's all of those memories come flooding back to you, you know, and that's powerful. And uh, it sounds great, but it's that thing. It just seems to go hand in hand with sitting down and listening to it and taking some time for it. And I don't think of anything that can transport you in the same way as the records do. Now, I did find myself in a position where I had a, I had a big vinyl collection and a big CD collection, and one of them had to go just for room sake. And I let the CD collection go because it just wasn't wasn't affecting me in the same way. It just didn't mean as much. Um, I prefer the sound. I prefer the whole experience of vinyl. But it's like a little timeout thing. It's like you just take a bit of time out of the hurdy you know, the hurly burly and uh, set some t- quality time aside and read sleeve notes and read who's on it and who played and all of those things. I love all that. The more sleeve notes, the better. And uh, uh, sounds great. So I love that. I have a lot of time for it. It's one of the things in life that I most enjoy and I, I, I won't be surrendering it anytime soon. Mm. I did a, I made a documentary about vinyl last year and uh, like a radio documentary about vinyl last year and we talked to a bunch of just music fans in shops in in shops and what was really interesting was it wasn't just old lads like yeah like, like me or you um buying vinyl there was a lot of younger people and at yeah. the younger of the younger people there was a kind of a 50 50 gender split yeah. So there was a lot. Of, yeah, it wasn't. It wasn't just the kind of a thing for the boys. Yeah. You know, girls. Um. Yeah. A, a, among the younger set. Yeah. And I thought that was really, really interesting. Actually, yeah. they had some very interesting things to say why they were into it. Yeah. Well. I had an interesting experience with that. Um. Yeah. At, at Christmas, uh, the youngest or third, the, the eldest got COVID. Yeah. She was fifteen, and she has a little deck in her room, and mm. she plays vinyl. So I thought I'll get her, I'll get her a record, I'll get her fleet with Mac Rumors. It's, she absolutely adores it. So she hadn't got it. So headed out to get it and went up to her local Golden Discs and they have like a vinyl wall. Mm. And I went in and as you say, I was expecting to be one of, you know, numerous male old fogies there, but I wasn't by any stretch of the imagination. They were all her age. They're all, well, they're a bit older, 18, 19. And yeah. one of them was holding up Marquee Moon. And saying, oh, wow. This? Yeah, Television. I know. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Wow. Ha- have you heard this? It's supposed to be great. <laughs> You know, yeah, yeah. and you don't lean over and say it is great, uh, but you're just going, "Wow, what, how is this happening?" And then beside the beside the door, they're they're stacked high with little decks. Uh, the little decks are good. I'm not a snob about the little decks at all. The built-in speaker and everything. That, that's what my daughter listens to, and she loves it. She absolutely loves it, and gets great mileage out of it. Um, and that's what they're listening to as well. So they're not. They're not spending millions on on surround sound systems with you know set standalone speakers and all that kind of stuff. They just like they're probably used to MP3s and their phone for music and and this is of a level. So they do. but it is it is yeah they are the ones and I don't know whether that might be um, might be an offshoot of of the way music has just become available to everybody that they just you know, one thing reminds them of something and they just go and listen to that. Um, my other daughter was listening to a band, I think they might have been called Lovejoy. And uh, I was saying, you know, they, they, they're they really the cure. In, in my life, we would have called them the cure. And she's going, what are you on about? So I said, trust me. <laughs> so I put on a cure record and she said, yeah, you're right. It's the same band. <laughs> <laughs> That's gas. That's and then gas. she starts listening to the cure. So they aren't, they aren't kind of judging it on what generation is. They're just judging it on the song. It's gone, Stevie Nicks dreams is brilliant. Mm. You know, I want to listen to this over and over. Like the ones that my daughter listens to are Stevie Nicks Dreams. Do they know, do they know it's Christmas? We can hear that the middle of June. She thinks it's one of the best songs ever. What are we to say? Old Town. Okay. uh, Yeah, 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 yeah. New England. Anything of a David David Bowie. So, you know, and that's just her. I swear I'm not, I'm not waterboarding her to make her listen to that stuff. She just loves it. And so, so, so New England, is that the Billy Bragg version or the Kirsty McCall no, the version? the Kirsty McCall or, version. Okay, yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, wow. Yeah. That's really interesting. And I mean, you see it now with, with um, Kate Bush. My kids yeah. are listening to Kate Bush. Yeah. I'm not complaining, you know. Because no, definitely like, not. Definitely yeah, not. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I just love telling them I told you this was good. <laughs> <laughs> um, right. I have one last question for you. 
and then I'll leave you go. Okay. And again, this is a this is a broad question, right? But in your entire career thus far as a musician, uh, in the media, whatever, what has been your biggest spinal tap moment? Oh God, there's so many of them. I walked off the stage in the National Stadium. Um, yeah, there was uh, smoke everywhere. And as I made my way to the front of the stage, I didn't know where the stage ended. So I walked off the edge. <laughs> Fucking brilliant. <laughs> yeah. Brilliant. But there's, brilliant. I mean, you can't be in a band without having spinal tap moments nearly every moment of the day. Um, it just everywhere you go, every every town you get to, especially if you're touring in America, there seems to be always a new level of hell waiting for you. <laughs> um, very humbling, I think, is the word we, we uh, tend to use to describe these things, you know, because you need to be humble in this world. And music certainly keeps you humble. There's no question about that. But um yeah, thousands. We've had all the experiences of the wrong, maybe being left behind in America. What kind of people leave the singer behind? Um, we <laughs> played, yeah, we played in Davis, California. And that was surreal enough. Uh, the audience in the crowd were the most beautiful people I've ever seen in my life, male and female. Um, they were just like some sort of Petri dish experiment in, in genetics all tanned and healthy and energetic and into sports, you know, they were looking at us on stage and you, know, you could, you, you knew they were looking at us thinking you can see the potato famine in them. You really can, you know, um, it's total opposite of the, of the dynamic where it's supposed to be the godlike people on stage and then the punters, it was, <laughs> it was the opposite of that. But, uh, when we finished, we got on our tour bus and two of them got on the bus and said, um, they were talking, chatting away, just two very beautiful people. And, I, we were staying in San Jose, which was a hundred miles down the road. I had to take this opportunity. I said, "Say, do you know the way to San Jose?" They said, "You're well. I'll tell you. You're you're, you're in the right direction. You just stay on the I ninety five. You just keep straight. You won't miss it. And no, you're beautiful, but you've no sense of humor. And um, then we drove into into the town from the college, three minute drive. And Paul Brewer and I jumped out to get a slice of pizza. The band went for a quick drink." So there was some in incident with his pizza. It took too long to make. And when we came out, the bus was gone. A tour bus, an American tour bus with the beds on it, about 30 feet long. And um, we thought, that's a joke. They're around the corner, you know. And, and we walked around the town. The bus wasn't around the corner. My jacket was on the bus with my wallet in it. Um, I think uh, Paul's was too. So we've, we'd no, had no mobile phones. So we walked into the first bar we saw. And luckily, three people had been at the gig. And one girl came over and said... Um, you guys are great. And then we said, look, we have a bit of a problem here. <laughs> right? She very nicely drove us around Davis looking for the bus. We were sure they were around the corner. And then when, when we couldn't find them, uh, she drove us to a motel. And she used her credit card to book us a room in the motel or else we would have been sleeping on the streets. And when she did that, the guy said, well, I book you guys into the uh, king size waterbed. And uh, <laughs> Paul Brewer says, a, she's not staying, and B, I'm not sleeping with him. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, yes. Yeah, you have to get a song out of that. <laughs> That's too many tragedy songs going around. Uh, I don't want to I add know, to that. It could be fun. I'm just, I'm, I'm thinking of the only losers take the bus. You know, maybe yeah, you could, yeah. uh, you could do yeah. some riff on that. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> uh, right the. On the road again, an evening with Tom Dunn, yeah. Fiona O'Brien on, and Alan Connor. That is taking place on September and October, twenty uh, fourth September in Cork, twentieth of October in Limerick, and the twenty second of October in Dunleary. Hopefully, there'll be some more dates added. Yeah, uh, in hopefully, the not yeah. too distant future. And yeah. all, look, if you do know Google search, you'll find all the details. Tickets are available on Ticketmaster.ie. Hopefully, we might hear a Christmas song from Tom at some I'm stage. I'm telling you, that's a beauty. And maybe the Tom Dunn EP, uh, whatever that might be called. Uh, I'm not calling it Tom Dunn. That name is too flat. It sounds like a painter decorator. I'm not having yeah. that. Tom's yeah. Dunn. Yeah, Tom Happens. Yeah. I'll go with Tom Happens. Tom Happens. Good. That has a ring to it. Tom, Tom yeah, Dunn has yeah. no ring to it. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Um, yeah. uh, I don't know. Um, and if you haven't done so already, uh, go and check out Something Happens, uh, older records, I would thoroughly recommend Stuck Together With God's Glue. If you want to learn some uh, great songs on the guitar, you can't go wrong there. Um, oh, right. I have one last question. I have yeah. to ask you just because this yeah. has been bugging me for 30 years. Yeah. Hello, 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 hello. What's the petrol? I'm so tempted now not to tell you, Rob. 
because, you know, that'll, that'll give us another 30 years of torturing you. <laughs> <laughs> so it's just in my lap there. Why, why on earth will I tell you? Yeah. <laughs> will I tell you? Please do. When, when we wrote the guitar, when Ray wrote the guitar riff, uh, we all thought it was had a bit of a bang at that petrol emotion off it. So, so ah. we, we, we actually christened the song Petrol to annoy Ray. And then when we went to record it, the record company said, well, you're not allowed to call it Petrol, which is fair enough, right? And we had a bit of a, um, our nose that had joined with them at the time because they were saying, and, and by the way, on your song titles, Beach, there's no beach in that song. Forget Georgia. There is a beach in it. And, no, and there's no Georgia. So when you make your <laughs> bloody song titles more obvious. So we said, all right, we'll make it obvious for you. Uh, so we stuck in low five times and petrol for the diehard fans who'd know the song from that name. Ah, okay. Right. Well, there you I go. Know. Yeah. Now, there's a, and right, well, here's one for you then, right? As I said, I told you at the start of the interview that I moved house when I was 12. Uh, or, or in 2012, sorry, yeah. 10 years ago. And I went up to the attic of the house we were living in and I was digging out through all sorts of stuff. This is not mine. This was, I found this in the attic of the house no that way. I moved into, which is, now oh, this is audio. This is the limited edition, Something Happens, Hello, 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 Petrol. And what I love about the back of it is there's a lovely little picture of a petrol pump. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, there you go. Uh, it still plays. Side, the B side is scratched a bit, but the A side is top class. I think that little graphic, that is, is that's the artist. That's Dave Clifford. Um, one of his, he did the, uh, I'm pretty sure, and he did the... Uh, he did all of the God's Glue, the drawings on that. And he ah. most recently did Christy Moore's album, uh, the drawings on that. And he did a drawing for Parachute, which is the drawing of a girl. And it yeah. was a girl he met in, in Dublin um, in whenever it was, 89, I suppose. And she was, had just arrived in Ireland. And he said, would you model for me? Would you mind to do a drawing of her? And they are a couple to this day. The Parachute girl and Dave are a couple to this day. Well, now there's a lovely there note to end on. How yep. bad. Um, Tom Dunn thank you so much for speaking with thank me today you. I really appreciate it thanks for sharing your memories um, I really wish you all the best with the gigs I hope you have a great time I hope you ah, really we will. enjoy it we will. You'll, you'll have a good one and um, hopefully sure we might see some more dates we might even get you down this part of the, uh, either Waterford or Kilkenny or something like that oh, definitely uh, be lovely Seth Theatre it's going to only be a matter of time be the job be the job yeah. Tom thank you so much thanks for having me Pleasure talking to you. Irish Beats with Rob O'Connor on Beat 102-103.